Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. We live in a changing society, and among the evolving pieces is the aging of our citizens uh, through a, a variety of reasons. People are living longer, but unfortunately, in some cases, the circumstances are not always positive as they age. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and on this week's podcast, we're going to talk about some of the negative consequences that can occur as we explore the conditions, signs, and, and hopefully prevention of, of what is commonly known as elder abuse. It's a societal ill that, that comes in many forms, so we have a great deal, deal to discuss. And uh, to help me with that today is Attorney Heather Walzer. Heather is a, uh, a key member of the estate planning group at Lavelle Law and, and always just provides such great information whenever she visits. So I know this this is going to be time well spent for our listeners. So, uh, Heather, good morning. Thanks for taking some time today. Good morning, Jim. Well, thanks as always for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, one of the things that jumps out at me when the topic of elder abuse is discussed is, you know, the many, many forms it can take. And, and certainly physical abuse is one place to start when, when we look for a description of the problem. You know, tell me about some of the, the types of physical abuse that elders need to be protected from. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, the the physical abuse that you describe um, is, you know, just what it sounds like. Anything that's a, a physical um, injury or, or just abusive physical action. Um, and that type of abuse can come surprisingly and sadly from family members and less surprisingly or, or as you see more in um, in the news, there are cases of that type of thing from caregivers and um, nursing homes, care facilities, those types of places. So those are the, the types of kind of physical abuse um, that are that are out there, unfortunately. Um, in, in addition to that, which is a little bit surprising, is something that is also problematic and could be considered abusive is self-neglect. So sometimes as people age uh, and possibly dementia begins to creep in or other limiting um, mental conditions, that can cause a person or contribute to a person beginning to neglect his or her self-care. Uh, and that that lack of self-care can really endanger the senior's health or safety. Um, and that can be problematic from the standpoint of it's not abuse on behalf of the person who is failing to take care of him or herself, but if there is someone who is charged to pay attention to that or, or look out for the senior and they don't do anything to stop that self-neglect, that's, can, that, that's where the problem comes in. Sure, and and that can there also be the case of someone who who again is a responsible for caring for that individual um, who simply avoids their responsibilities, and and that form of neglect uh, can can certainly lead to many complications and issues as well, can't it? That's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And and so those are kind of the the more tangible sort of physical um, types of abuse that um, that are are possible. Um, the other big, almost bigger piece of the puzzle is uh, the financial exploitation and, and financial types of abuse. Um, and that's an even larger problem um, at this yeah, point. Yeah, and, 
And you've talked in the past about having an estate plan where, where someone is appointed to manage finances. And as, as people age and lose capacity, I, I would assume that, that financial malfeasance can, can really become abusive uh, and, and very, very dangerous to the, to the elderly person as they lose their resources if, if someone is you know, stealing or manipulating their funds. That's exactly right. Um, so it that type of, of exploitation and abuse can jeopardize, obviously, the well-being of the senior on a very, very, um, a, a very, very large scale, and it has a very immediate effect. Um, even in cases where um, the, the 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 elderly person isn't you know necessary it has plenty of funds the problem mm-hmm. can be if if the money is is taken and then the the senior or the elderly person needs some sort of state based assistance that can be very problematic if if the money is not available and was not um spent properly that can jeopardize the elderly uh, person's ability to attain state assistance for, you know, nursing care or services from the Department of Aging or those types of services that may be very, very necessary to their continued physical health and well-being. Um, So from that standpoint, the financial exploitation can be just devastating, absolutely devastating. Yeah, and you know, we've just briefly here talked about so many different forms of of elder abuse that, that we know can exist. Um, it, it's pretty frightening. Uh, as I said, we have more and more people falling into this to this age category. Uh, where are we at with with laws to protect the elderly? I mean, are there comprehensive laws out there right now? There are, and that's that's actually a, a great a great question. So the state of Illinois, in particular, has taken some very very uh, extensive steps to help pro- protect seniors and and elderly people who are potentially at risk of suffering from this kind of abuse. So one of the the biggest addresses that financial exploitation that you and I were just discussing. So there is uh, both a criminal and a civil statute um, intended to prevent the financial exploitation of the elderly. Um, So on the criminal side, obviously it's just what it sounds like. If someone is guilty of uh, uh, exploiting from a financial standpoint, an elderly or at-risk person, um, he or she can be charged with a crime. Um, And the crime includes a a potential jail time, and also not only will the the person who is um, convicted of of, uh, an exploitation on the criminal side have to reimburse the senior for the money that he or she improperly took from them or diverted from them, um, there's an actual penalty of three times the amount. So uh, they will have to reimburse the senior for, um, for three times the amount that they, that they had taken. So it's, it's a very punitive statute and the state takes those cases very, very seriously. Um, we, we've seen a number of them in the news recently where, um, caregivers and even family members, sadly enough, are being prosecuted for, for these kinds of criminal offenses. Um, it's, it's unfortunately, um, a lot more common than people realize and it can be something uh, as I won't say simple, but something as uncomplicated as a family member who has access to, say, mom or dad or grandma or grandpa's credit card and decides to use the credit card to pay his or her own expenses and not those of the parent, grandparent, or otherly elderly at-risk person. So in some cases, it can even be a family member who 
they may be acting in, in bad faith, certainly. In many of these cases, they are. But in some, it can even be just sort of a gradual process of thinking, well, mom won't mind if I borrow $500 to, you know, register my car, or mom won't mind if I buy my groceries. But it can very quickly snowball into more and more and more, and at that point it becomes potentially criminal. Well, you know, we want to talk about being able to report this and see some signs, and, and I'm going to try and get to that today. But but when we talk about any sort of uh, physical, mental, emotional affliction uh, of any sort in the medical world or anything else, we, we always talk about treatment. But here would be a great time to talk about prevention. You know, this is certainly a, a, a terrible situation, and we're not going to stop it. But what can we do individually for ourselves or for family members to try and prevent some of this from happening. Yeah, that's absolutely a, a great point, and that is the most important thing in this situation because, you know, as the saying goes, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure because frequently once the, the horse is out of the barn, so to speak, and the money's been spent, it's very hard to get it back. So the idea is to to take steps in advance to really head off this type of conduct at the pass. And the best way to do it is to create an extensive and comprehensive estate plan. Um, So, you know, the will and the trust, those documents are really intended in in large part for dealing with assets after death. But um, the other goal of certainly the trust and also the powers of attorney for healthcare and property is to name particular agents and people who will step in in the case of an elderly person who is incapacitated to manage those assets um, and manage the health care. It's so vitally important to have that set aside in advance, to, to name officially name via your estate plan documents the people who you want to handle those issues for you if you become incapacitated or for the elderly person when he or she becomes incapacitated. Um, so that's that's the important part is making sure that those, those wishes and those uh, agents and fiduciaries are designated officially in the proper documents. Now, the step prior to that that's, I would say, equally important is making sure to choose appropriate people to act in those roles. Because unfortunately, and very sadly, um, frequently these, particularly the financial exploitation cases, they can even happen in a case where someone names someone, you know, a parent names a child or a grandchild or someone as their power of attorney, and they properly prepare all of the documents, but the person they name is just not a good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is really just the vital important part of it is designate those agents, but be absolutely certain you're making good choices in who is named. Yeah, and we, I want to talk about that a little bit here. Uh, Heather Walzer of Lavelle Law is my guest today, and she's sharing some some really valuable information about identifying and preventing elder abuse. And we're certainly not going to be able to cover everything in this allotted time. So let me remind everyone to to swing by LavelleLaw.com. You'll find Heather's profile. You'll find some recent articles and videos she's posted on on this and and other topics. And you can always reach Heather at eight four seven seven zero five seventy five five seven five five five. And and if you'd like, join me in following her on Twitter at hg walzer. Um, I want to ask you a quick two part question here. You just mentioned uh, the powers of attorney for health care and and for financial concerns. Uh, part one. Um, 
as you talked about the people to be responsible, those can be different people for each. It doesn't have to be the same person. And then two, isn't the key point of the document not just to appoint these people, but to really spell out your specific wishes ahead of time. So really, those people should just have to execute rather than make a lot of decisions for you because you've already said what you want to have done. Right, yeah. Well, so as to part one, you're absolutely right. Uh, You can name anyone to act in these different roles. And in fact, in many cases, they, they aren't the same person. So, you know, one example is, uh, if a client has uh, adult children, one of them is an accountant and one of them is a nurse, well, it's it's pretty straightforward at that point. It probably makes sense to, as the financial power of attorney, to name the child who's an accountant because just stereotypically, if if someone is a, an accountant, they are good with money, they are organized, they're able to handle those administrative tax, tasks. Then, similarly, in making healthcare decisions, if you have a, a family member or a child or someone who is in the medical industry, that can be a very good choice. Now, I, I say that just as an example. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean you have to make those decisions, but the point is you should look carefully at each role and decide who is going to be the best person to to responsibly manage my finances, for example. And, you know, sometimes people will say, well, it should be my oldest son because he's the oldest. Well, not necessarily, you know, or my oldest child mm-hmm. should do this. You should, you've got to really objectively look at who's going to make the best decisions. And sometimes maybe it's not a family member. Sometimes it's a friend or uh, someone else. So absolutely they, they do not need to be the same person. And, in fact, you should really give thought to who's going to do the best job in that capacity. Um, and then, you know, as as to the 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 remaining question um uh, really um choosing who is going to serve in those roles is you know obviously very important but in addition by naming someone in that official capacity you have basically put made them subject to the laws that govern those things so for example mm-hmm. if someone accepts the role of being your financial power of attorney or healthcare power of attorney, that person has consented to act in accordance with the the Illinois statute governing those powers of attorney. If they don't, if they don't follow those rules under the statute, they will be liable for breaching those duties. So in addition to the potential financial exploitation of the elderly liability in connection with the exercise of a power of attorney for property, there are also fiduciary obligations that if they breach them, they will be subject to penalties and to liability for failing to uphold the statute, the the power of attorney for health care and the power of attorney for property statute. Um, So yes, certainly by virtue of the fact that you name someone specifically in that capacity, it sort of ups their responsibility level and holds them to a higher standard. Well, as uh, I expected coming in, we're just not going to get to everything we would like to talk about with Heather today, so let me uh, thank her for joining us. And again, ask that everyone uh, visit LavelleLaw.com for more information on elder abuse and uh, give Heather a call if you have any concerns about any individuals that you're aware of. Let's all be a little bit more diligent in watching for uh, signs of of elder abuse and uh, certainly appreciate uh, Heather for taking the time to join us today. And as always, thank you for listening as well. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. 
If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.